0: If you're a dad, a parental guardian, or maybe even a foster parent, you understand like no one else. Parenting is a difficult job, sometimes even on a good day. (laughs) The tasks seem endless, transportation to and from school or daycare, after-school activities, homework, you don't understand. And of course, when a child gets sick, things in your world seem to get a bit crazier. And then as they get older, their relationship issues. I think the modern day term now is drama. Trying to decide if a certain friend poses a good influence on your child, what they're looking at on their phones, and what kinds of texts they're sending and receiving. And one day, you're driving them to DMV to get a driver's license, only to watch them drive away later, dragging your heart alongside the car. To say the least, parenting is stressful from day one. But if you're in law enforcement, more often than not, these events get further magnified by the stressors of your job. What happens when it's your kid's birthday, you're scheduled to work, and you can't get time off? What about holiday gatherings? Why does it seem like your shift works every holiday? The answer most likely given is somebody has to be protecting and serving, and that somebody is you. Folks, as we know it, law enforcement is stressful, too. So, for this episode of NCJA 1014, and since Father's Day falls in this particular month, we thought it would be a good idea to take a break from our usual training centered topics to talk about being a parent who also happens to be in law enforcement. I'm turning around, i was driving down Quinn. I'm turning around and see if I can find him again. This That Glover, subject to 1074, i
1: where.
0: NCJA 1014. Our volunteers for this special episode are no strangers to this podcast, as both are previous guests. Bill Oakes is an instructor developer on the West Campus in Edneyville. Bill has absolutely amazed us in previous episodes with his knowledge of the hemp industry and how its production has made its way to law enforcement radar screens, particularly here in North Carolina. Paul Phelan is also an instructor developer on the West Campus, and during our focus on mental health during May, Paul helped walk us through some of what we likely will discuss today, the stressors of being dad cop, and how we deal with some of those life events that I mentioned earlier. Don't want anyone to assume, so I'll lay it out right up front. Both of these guys have been street cops, and even though their day jobs are at the academy, both continue to serve as reserve officers. More importantly, they are also dads. Bill, Paul, thanks so much for taking time out of your day, and I'm really looking forward to this episode because I know you guys are certainly magnificent at what you do for the academy, and I'm anxious to learn how you're both magnificent dads as well.
2: Thank you. Glad to be here.
0: Thank you. Well, hey, thanks, guys. Again, I just kind of want to ease into this thing and keep it just as informal as we possibly can with three guys having a Coke in the cafeteria somewhere. So, Bill, let me start with you. Back in the day, as they always say, what's it like being a parent for the first time while you were in law enforcement?
2: For me, it was kind of rough. You know, it was a very much of adjustment. You know, the first thing you come to your bosses and say, hey, look, Sarge, I'm about to have to go out on FMLA. The wife is uh, about to give birth. Next thing you hear is uh, hey, you know, that may be a little bit of a problem. Oh my God, we're we're short. Uh you have to take FMLA the entire time. And I thought, are you serious? What is actually going on here? So for me it was kind of a almost a shock of saying. Wow. <laughs> this is going to be very unique. You know, on the military side, it was different because outside of a deployment, you know, you were able to be home and you work regular hours, except for when you were doing some off-site training. Um, but on the police side, it just, it doesn't stop. You have to have somebody out there guarding, you know, protecting and answering those calls 24-7, 365.
3: Paul, anything you can add to that? Pretty much the same thing here. I was very fortunate for me to have a supportive family, and in particular, my mother-in-law came down, and and my time off from work was very short because, in fact, they were they were almost telling me, "No, just please go back to work. We want you to." Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know, people would say, and I'll try not to get too far ahead of the game here, but people would say my entire career. I did about eight years before I had my daughter as a police officer, and people would say having a kid will absolutely change the way you view calls, the way you deal with things on the street. And I never understood that until I had my daughter, and that's that's absolutely 1,000% true. I have to echo Bill's sentiments on that.
0: What I hear you saying here kind of heads toward the next question I wanted to talk to you about. Is about those concerns, like when you joined up in law enforcement, and the thought of bringing children into that law enforcement family. How those concerns changed, and it and it sounded like for you that they did. And and I'm gonna say from my perspective, and I'm sure you guys would agree with this, when you take calls involving children, especially when those are traumatic that really does change your perspective about how you look at things. Is that kind of what you're leaning toward, Paul?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just sitting here thinking, even now, my daughter is 12 now, and, and to this day, the effects are still there. And you know, at one point, I was working sex crimes and, and up until recently was teaching sex crimes at the academy. So... I think my daughter understands more than the average kid, but it's still frustrating to her to see me being the helicopter dad more so than other parents because I want to make sure that she's safe. Everybody, you know, and we we jokingly say everybody's a pedophile, but everybody's a suspect. Everybody is, is a criminal. You got to try to get that out of my head, but it's still there, you know? And I can see the aggravation from her, but, you know, you just, you, I think, in your question, one of the things that we wrestle with is we've always dealt with the people who nobody expected to be this or nobody expected this person to be a um, a pedophile or this person to be a drug dealer. Well, in our job, we've learned to expect those things and, and not be surprised when it turns out that the nice neighbor or the nice softball coach happens to be not the person that we think they are. And that, I think, kind of turned this up a little bit in making sure that our kids are protected.
0: How about you, Bill? What kind of concerns do you have for your kids as you expose them to your law enforcement environment?
2: My, mine was a little bit different in the fact that I spent 95% of my time working, doing undercover work in gangs and narcotics realm. So, my kids didn't get to see me in uniform a lot and it was very hard, you know, when I got the questions, you know, Daddy, I, our school bus was driving down the road and we saw three police cars out there and it was a car crash. Was that you? And I couldn't say, no, Daddy was out buying heroin or, you know, in <laughs> doing surveillance on a group of, you know, money laundering or drug traffickers, you know. For me, it was unique. But it was scary in that same sense because I started going into a little bit more how deep controlled substances were and crime and how society has deteriorated over the years. And it made me try to rethink what type of protections do I need to put in place for my kids? You know, I didn't grow up in the best atmosphere by any means. You know, I grew up in a suburb of Detroit, Michigan, okay? I have literally, not kidding, had my shoes stolen from me four separate times. I've had two pistols pulled on me as a youngster where somebody says, give me your money. And it was other kids in the school that I was going to school with, okay? I remember going to classes and seeing teachers not even show up. You know, so I grew up in kind of a different environment. I wanted to make sure I gave my children a little bit different environment. And then once I stepped into it on the police side, on the police side, it was very, very scary. So it was very hard for me to kind of share that day-to-day work or show up at the career day. You know, hey, what does your daddy do? <laughs> I've never popped into career day just because of that, uh, because I'm not showing up in uniform, and that's a very unusual thing to conversation to have with kids, you know, in 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th grade, whatever it is. So, yeah, it's changed my perspective and it changed the way I, I viewed society also. I viewed a lot of people as they were the root cause of their own problems. And once I started having children and stuff like that, I started looking at what caused this issue? It made me more compassionate, more empathetic, and it made me a little more emotionally attached to calls, Um, especially one call in particular. I remember seeing an overdose child, or a child got suffocated by his mother. The mother came home drunk at three o'clock in the morning, picked up the baby who was about six months old and decided to lay down on the couch with this child mother in a drunk stupor rolled over and suffocated the child and i was the first one of the scene and trying to give this kid cpr and just knowing man this baby's been dead for a couple hours and it wasn't the first time i dealt with that particular house or even that particular lady she had had four or five different domestics with three to four different guys over the last several months it was like a total train wreck situation so it started making me think man how what can i do to do things better so my kids don't end up in this because uh, let's be clear you could be the parent you can provide everything stability home and everything but there's going to be those times with environmental factors things where the kids are going to school that you can't control some of the things that get put in their head you know so it's very unique in the fact that you become more empathetic and more responsible in your roles, especially when it comes to anything dealing with anything based with children.
0: Well, I think both of you brought two things to the table. First thing that Paul touched on is that you can't turn off being a cop. You, no. you can never just flip the switch And look at someone and go, looks like someone I've seen before, someone I may have encountered on the street before. This guy looks a little squirrely. This lady looks a little suspicious. Those are things that you absolutely positively cannot turn off. And then, Bill, to your point, the environmental factors that we see that produce children that we either respond to those calls for service that are traumatic or that we deal with those children the way that we dealt with those parents. So, I mean, it just sounds to me like you put the focus on, I've seen bad things happen to good people, and I'm going to do what I can. I'll adjust. My wife and I will make plans to do things a little differently to ensure that our kids don't kind of end up in one of these situations. But again, as you say, there are certain environmental factors out there that you absolutely cannot control and those are the most difficult ones to deal with, I'm sure. Yes. Well, moving along, if we may, I talked about this a little bit in the introduction and I'm sure both of you have experiences. Paul, let me go back to you on this one. There have probably been a number of life events that have occurred that you absolutely could not be present for because duty calls, birthdays, holiday gatherings, dance recitals, ball games, you name it. How difficult is it to have to deal with those? And, and kind of how do you, I guess in a roundabout funny sort of way, I am this guy, I'm the guy who later wants to come along behind that. And reconcile it. And I'm trying to, I guess, make up for lost time. How have you guys dealt with that, Paul? Back to you.
3: We have told our daughter very early on that, and we still do that. Look, your parents are not normal. This, this, <laughs> and I That's kind of hard. <laughs> We're not normal. My wife is a respiratory therapist, so so she does, and, and honestly, deals with a lot of the same people that I have dealt with in law enforcement. And not only that, but the shift work and the missing thing. So, yeah, I I remember sitting in my patrol car on night shift alone on, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas and different days going, man, this sucks. But we have always made that family time a priority. You know, we've always thought ahead of time of, "Okay, well, since I have to work Christmas, we're going to do Christmas on Christmas Eve or I'm going to get up early on Christmas Day and and do our thing. Two things I want to point out, first of all, is it it really sucks sitting in that car just thinking about your family doing things that you're not able to do. And my encouragement to people listening and and officers who may be sitting there going, man, is this worth it? Think past that time. Think past that 12-hour shift or whatever hour shift you're working. Think forward to, okay, I've got I've got seven days off. I've got, you know, down in Florida we had five, four, and three days off. All right, I got five days off. What are we gonna do with it? What can I do with my daughter, you know, during that time period? You know, can we can we make up for it? Can we do those things? So, and that's what we would do. You know, all right, I got a five day off stretch. I'm gonna make it about the family. You know, we're, we're gonna go to the zoo. We're gonna go to the beach. We're gonna go trail riding. You know, all all the things that that we do. So, uh, and you know, my daughter too, not only had to deal with shift work, but you know, six years worth of graduate school. I spent most of her first six years of her life in graduate school, so it was really hard for me to sit there and watch her wait for me to get done with school, to play with her, and to you know do all the things. And so I made a promise to her I would not go back to school again until she graduated. So. I think the the key word in short is prioritizing you know don't it's easy to moonlight and go work off-duty and do all these things on your five-day stretch or whatever day stretch you have prioritize your your family during that time
1: period how about you bill
2: yeah for me I I, want to say For my first two kids, I did it wrong. And, you know, everybody's like, what do you mean your first two? Well, I have two children. You know, I retired from Metro Nashville, Tennessee Police Department before coming here to North Carolina. And so I had two children with an ex-wife. And my main focus was on work. I was so work-driven that I forgot the home life. And I tried to wear too many hats to have an active Balance between not only narcotics, working wires, working informants, doing gang work, constantly embedded within, you know, doing fugitive apprehensions with the marshals, and then running our clan lab team. I would get off from 12, 13 hours, which was only supposed to be scheduled for eight hours that day. I'd start to get cleaned up. It's one o'clock in the morning, kids are in bed, phone rings, and hey, somebody had a meth lab explosion or something. So I was out the door again. And that would have been the particular day, you know, where I was supposed to have breakfast, you know, with my kid at school. Instead of me saying, hey, look, I am one person. There's multiple members on this team. They can go deal with it. I counted myself as, no, I had to be there. That, that sucks because you don't get that back. And I wish I had that forethought and planning, like, you know, Paul just mentioned, and now that I give advice to people, I tell them, hey, stay off getting wrapped up in this job, okay? This is a job. At the end of the day, this is a job. This is a very important job. Society functions very little without this job. Let's be clear about that, okay? But focus, shift your priorities, because when something happens, and that's what that in this current world, things are going to happen, okay? It's not going to be the chain of command that are there for you. It's not going to be the chief. It's not going to be the sheriff. I'm going to tell you straight out, it ain't going to be your lawmakers, especially. It's not going to be your politicians. It's going to be your wife. It's going to be your son. It's going to be your daughter. It's going to be your niece. It's going to be your nephew. It's going to be your family, especially your kids, even if you're divorced. Your kids can't divorce you. They can not talk to you, but they can't divorce you. So you've got to have that home route for that person who is going to be there. Make the time for it. Every law enforcement agency is short. And if you're a supervisor it's on here listening, please remember that. Don't, don't when your people come and you say, hey, Sergeant, lieutenant, captain, I get a birthday. My kids first, second, third. They got to play at school. Don't be that supervisor that says, you know we're really short. You know what? You're always going to be short, and especially in today's society we're getting shorter. All we're doing is stretching and burning our people out more. Okay? There's one factor, one strength that'll never go away, and that's that family root. Always make the time for it. I made the mistakes, and I can 100% say I did it wrong. But now, and I'll tell you, and this is crazy because I have children everywhere, spread out between ages of 16 to one. I am 49, and I have a one-year-old. And everybody's like, "Are you serious?" And I'm like, "Yeah." The best way to explain is my wife's hot, I'm not. So here we are. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what a great perspective you bring on this whole situation. Well, and and again. Great points from you both. And and Bill, I just want to echo what you said about the whole job thing. We tend to get so wrapped up and we think that our jobs are the most important things in our lives because those are the things that bring in the money and those are the things that allow us to have the things that we have that we believe is going to make the family unit love us more. And truly, it isn't. It is about that time. It is about that quality time that we carve out for ourselves and for our families that make all the difference in the world. And, you know, my daughter was not born when I was in law enforcement. So I had, I guess you could say it, it was that luxury. But what I always tried to do as the guy who didn't have children was to step up for the guys who did. Hey, it's Christmas morning and I want to go be with my kid when he wakes up and sees his Santa Claus stuff. Like, hey man, no problem. I'll take those calls for you. We'll kind of form that family bond within our shift and and we'll cover for you. And, and Bill, as you alluded to, we're we're short. We're always going to be short. You know, there are agencies in my area right now that are 20 deep with vacancies. And can't find quality people to fill them. So you're right. It's always going to be short. But from a supervisory standpoint, you certainly want to remember what it was like you know, when you were a young dad. And I think the other point, too, guys, is that, and, and Bill, you touched on this just a little bit, we have to remember who is taking care of our kids when we are at work. And traditionally, that is going to be a wife. Paul talked a little bit about having a mother-in-law come in and step in. But we have to remember the stress that that puts on the wife, or if the wife happens to be in law enforcement, the husband who is caring for that child or those children. And they too can kind of add to that stress just a little bit. With that, you've already been told you can't get off work for play at school. And now the wife and or the husband is like, What's up with that? So, you know, you kind of get that stressor from both ends. And I think folks out there in the general public don't take time to see that a lot of times. It's just like, you know, how difficult can this job be? And the answer to that is it is sometimes beyond your imagination as to how difficult it can be. But again, let me get off my soapbox a little bit. And I touched on this just a moment, so I'm going to come back to you guys and ask about your coworkers and folks that your kids are going to be exposed to. So I'm sure in your experiences in law enforcement, you brought someone home that you may have been training or, you know, as we all fall into that same melting pot of our friends are also our coworkers because we kind of pull that blue line in there. So, Paul, let me ask you first if your daughter has considered your partners or co-workers also as a part of your family.
1: There's a couple that she has
3: that I brought home. Unfortunately, one of them passed away in 2016. But there's a couple and it's a little bit different, you know, being in Florida and now having been up here the last four years, she doesn't really know many up here other than the guys here at the Academy. She knows Bill, and I think she's kind of afraid to claim him as anything. No, I'm kidding. But um, <laughs> One person I'm thinking of in particular up here is a negotiator with Henderson County Sheriff's Office along with me. He is also her sensei for martial arts. So he really is kind of a mentor to her and sees that, okay, there's more. To this person, besides just being a police officer. So, so yeah, there, there's there been several, at least three that I can think of. And, and most recently, Detective Wilson Bunn with Henderson County has, has become kind of a mentor to her. I think it offers a different perspective that, yes, there are others like her that, you know, she's not alone in feeling the way she feels when daddy goes to work. And I saw that recently her being sad one day when I was getting ready to work the road and she just kind of looked at me and said, I like it better when you work the academy than the road. So, so she kind of sees that she's not alone in that area when she's able to talk to other kids that,
1: that we're close to in that realm. How about you,
0: Bill?
2: My, my kids in Nashville got to meet you know, everybody with the team, we were a pretty close team. I think when my daughter Hannah was born, within her being 24 hours old, uh, basically my entire team was at the hospital, you know, getting to see her and hold her. And then when Braxton was born, I was over as a gang detective. So everybody looked greasy and grimy because they were in undercover status. So I really, everybody's like, hey, we're going to come up the hotel. And I was like, no, y'all look like a bunch of bikers and gangsters. So. I'll send you all some pictures, (laughs) you know. So the kids, though, one thing I did get to do, several of us later on, around 2012 to 15, got together and started coaching our kids in T-ball up through Coach Pitch to Machine Pitch to Coach Pitch, brought our kids up together. And a lot of the other kids on the team did not know the three coaches up front were police and we were all three narcotics guys. Then one of the first games we had, it was ironic, we had all got tasked to go and work in uniform because patrol was obviously 100% short. um, And that was something we had done quite often. And versus changing, somebody goes, man, do we need to change or we just need to drop our gun belts and go in and let the kids see us in uniform because some of them go, Are you the police? I don't believe you're the police. And it was kind of funny to see the kids' reactions when we stepped up there like that. And it was like, Coach Bill, Coach Scott, Coach Ted, you really are the police. And our kids were going, I told you my daddy was the police. He just got long hair and a beard sometimes. <laughs> you know, so they got to see it as a, as a, as a family, you know, here in North Carolina they still get to meet officers here and stuff like that, but you know, they're not seeing as many people in uniform because they're seeing more of us as as the role of, you know, instructors and stuff like that. So I'm not out there hustling on the road or doing anything like that. So mine's a little bit different, unique perspective when it comes to the, the policing realm
0: now, so. Well, Bill, let me hold you on that one just for a second and ask this question. If any of your kids showed interest and becoming cops, what would your feelings on that be? Would you be excited? Would you be worried? Or maybe both?
2: Well, when my son runs around wearing one of my old dress uniform hats, the six point hat, and he says, daddy, I'm, I'm police, you know, and he runs around playing like he is uh, chase off a paw patrol. Then he switches to Marshall. Every time he goes to Marshall, the fireman, I says, you know that's a cooler job right there. <laughs> you know he says, "Daddy, I want to be a police too." But then I want to be a fireman, and I have to giggle when I hear that. And you know, because I'm like, I don't even know if policing will be around. So, something unique is going to happen here, you know. But you know, I told him, I said, "Well, you know what's really cool? Firefighters' jobs are flying an airplane. You know, so <laughs> it do- it doesn't scare me, but it's just hey." You know, it's going to be different in his time, you know, which would be you got the age of 21 and we were all still around. That's 18 years from now. So it's going to be a whole different picture. So I'm not I'm not scared or shunned by it, you know, be fearful and what could happen on the civil liability or you could, you know, you do what you think is the right thing and you get caught up in these political spider webs, and all of a sudden, you know, my kids on TV who did everything according to the law and policy, and now politicians are hanging them upside down, you know, that's the part that scares
1: me. Yeah. How about you, Paul?
3: I agree with all of that. My daughter at one point had been hooked on the show, um, oh goodness, with the game wardens. um, Texas law yeah. or whatever it is that would that all the game wardens and, and she sounds like northwood's law or northwoods law, something yeah.
0: like that yeah
3: so <clears throat> she she had decided that she wanted to be a game warden yeah that scared me I, I i know what this job can do to a person to their to their mental health i know what they and, and just to, to back track on something Don't get me wrong, I was just like Bill, I made the mistakes and learned the hard way when it it comes to um, prioritizing and putting family first and those kinds of things. So so all those things go through my mind when I heard that she wanted to be a gang warden. There's a certain innocence you lose in a human being when you become a law enforcement officer, and I just hated to imagine that my daughter would be experiencing that. I wouldn't trade it for the world. I, I, I love the mindset and the skill that I have, but just for her to experience some of the loss of, of innocence that, that you experience kind of made me nervous. And then there's, look, we'll just say it. July 2nd will be 20 years for me being in law enforcement. It is not the same policing it was in 2002. It was not, it is not. and it, And it changes significantly daily. I would hate to see her be in this uh anti-law enforcement climate that we are in. I'm not scared for her physical safety. I I feel like my wife and I do a great job at implementing the the warrior mindset into her, the never quit, never never stop fighting mentality that along with, you know, martial art. I, I physically I think she'll be fine, but the rest of it, yeah, it, it
0: scares me. Well, it's kind of funny that y'all talk in present day tense. I have a few more miles on my odometer than both of you put together. So I started my career back in August of 1977 as a reserve officer.
2: I was five. <laughs>
0: thank you for bringing that into perspective. Uh, yeah, thank you. I, I th- think I still have my first pair of tennis shoes as well. But I, I just vividly remember I was still living at home with my parents going to college. And I remember going out the door in uniform for the first time. And my mother said, why are you doing this? And I just kind of turned and looked back because uh, this is what I love. This is what I want to do. And this is my door for doing it. I didn't understand that question at the time. It kind of really just rolled off of me. It meant absolutely nothing. But, as a parent, and you watch your child put on that uniform, go out the door, and not know what awaits them, I now understand that totally. I mean, I get it as a parent, so I can only imagine what it was like for her to see me do that, and knowing that I was doing it for free, it maybe it would have been some consolation if I had been getting some type of remuneration for it, but those are things as younger people, not necessarily kids that we kind of don't think about. And it sounds like both of you have really gone out of your way and worked very hard to instill into your kids a mindset that, you know, this is a job and it does have some danger to it, but I'm always going to put safety first and I'm always going to put you and, and our family first. And, you know, We'll be watched after one way or another. Let's let's not go to work worried every day that that something bad is going to befall us. So I'm going to kind of wind this thing down just a little bit and kind of close it up. And, And I think we've touched on it just a little bit. And Bill, I'm going to start with you first in this final question. If you could turn back the hands of time and do some things differently as a parent, as a law enforcement parent, what might some of those things be?
2: paid attention to more of my kids than work. I became so consumed with the job as soon as I got to the gang side, as soon as I became a flex officer. Went to become a detective as a gang detective, started working, doing a little bit of undercover work, working cases, working informants, and moving up to narcotics. And in the Klan lab side, I was so consumed by work. Work had to be the priority, and those kids were secondary. It still bothers me that I did that. And uh, there's, there's times I look back and I'm like, why, why, why? I missed this birthday. I missed this day. I missed this particular show. I missed my son's first recording, you know, actual concert. Remember the wooden recorders that they have, those plastic flutes? I missed that concert because I had to go sit up and do surveillance because I needed to put a tracker on a guy's car. That's the wrong answer. That is, that is absolutely the wrong answer. I should have paid more attention. To them, than the job. If I could change that, I would go back and I'd rewrite that. They would have been the priority
1: versus the job. How about you, Paul?
3: Same here, and some of the things I would do differently. I can't say on a on a podcast, but I I was I was on the SWAT team, I was part of the in service training unit, honor guard, you know. Aside from my regular patrol duties and then in CID, I ate slept and breathed cases. It was started out as property crimes and then, you know, sex crimes and financial crimes for the state. I would absolutely drop that and spend more time with her. You know, my daughter would probably, or excuse me, my wife would probably get mad if she heard this, but she's always wondering why I spend so much time with my daughter now. Well, because I, number one, want to make up for that time. But number two, if I don't raise her, then this world is going to raise her. And we know what that's like. One, one piece that really brought me to realization on this is I did three years as a juvenile justice sergeant working in a detention center. Man, I thought I had known everything as a cop until I went to work there. And I said, man, this really makes me want to be a parent. Yeah, if I had it to do over again, I would start with more time, but also with more teaching. Try to make things a teachable moment for her in life and give her those life lessons all the time. And and this may be a sap of me, but I write her letters all the time, you know, kind of like letters of wisdom and hoping she doesn't make some of the mistakes I made as, as a as a teenager and as a adult. I would say that I would probably spend more time making
1: things a teachable moment for her. Well, I
0: I think as parents, that is our mantra. We want better things for our kids than we had, and we want our kids to make better decisions than we made. And I think that kind of puts the cap on it. Folks, as we said at the outset, Parenting is stressful. If you are a parent, you know how difficult it is. Law enforcement is stressful too. And if you're listening to this podcast and you're in law enforcement, you know what the combination of those two things can do. It's been a great pleasure to sit down today with two instructor developers from our West Campus in Edneyville, Bill Lokes and Paul Phelan. Guys, once again, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to share your personal experiences and offer up some advice for those who are going to be in the same situations that you have already been in. Thanks again. Thank you. You've been listening to NCJA 1014, a very special episode of this podcast as we celebrate here in the month of June. For those of you who are fathers in law enforcement, until our next episode, please stay safe. NCJ1014